saving the world starts with you. And you don't have to be a superhero to get it done. All you need to do is be more sustainable and make your habits more environmentally friendly. Sustainable U is here today to show you how. Sustainable U is underwritten in part by Terhune Orchards, 330 Cold Soil Road, Lawrence, 200 acres of locally grown Jersey fresh fruits and vegetables with country style service. Rye University, Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green, Team Toyota of Princeton, Route 1 South Lawrence. Are you part of the team? Lawn Crafters, give your lawn a little TLC. And the Trenton Farmer's Market, 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence. The area's original and most trusted farmer's market, open all year round. Now let's learn how to thank Mother Nature for her nurture with today's segment of Sustainable You. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Live from Clarence Public House Studios, this is Sustainable You. I am one of your hosts, Dean Riddle, and I am joined by... Julissa Malvern. First of all, everyone, it is back to school season. We are back to school, and I gotta say, it feels good being back. It feels good. Everything feels normal. Back in the main flow of things. It feels great. What do you think, Julissa? It feels definitely good. I, I think that everybody's ready to go back to school after the long four-month break. I agree. And with that being said, it also comes to be hurricane season. So hurricane season started about beginning to middle of August. And, you know, the thing is with hurricane season, usually, although hurricane season does officially start around then, usually hurricanes don't really get going until mid-September or whatever. But one thing I have noticed so far is that there have already been some powerful hurricanes that have been hitting areas kind of close to us. I know um, there was Hurricane Lane, which hit Hawaii probably about two weeks ago or so. Mm-hmm. And then you said there was another hurricane I didn't even hear about, right? Yeah, Hurricane Hector. They said it occurred around July 16th of this year. Oh, really? And then it lasted to about mid-August, and that's a long duration for a hurricane. Yeah, that but, is. But um, not technically, because if you look at Hurricane Katrina, that was pretty long. I think two and a half, three weeks, because it hit not only louisiana but it hit florida mm-hmm. and a few other states not to mention the buildup that goes into it too because there's a lot of time that goes into building up the hurricane and strengthening it and then when it dies out too that's still considered to be you know the duration of the hurricane still but i didn't even know that that happened mid-july and you know that's the thing i have not heard anything I have not heard anything about these hurricanes through any major media news outlets. I Me I neither. heard I heard about Hurricane Lane through Twitter, through just someone I follow on Twitter. I did not hear it through any major news outlet. I didn't hear it from Fox. I didn't hear it from CNN. I didn't hear it from the Weather Channel. I heard it from someone on Twitter. That's the, it. The same here. Like I saw it on Metro PCS News, and that's not a big news corporation. And um, I never heard it like you said on CNN or Fox or any of those networks. It was just on like a small news um, page. Um, I think it was local news. But Hector, they just um, broadcasted that over Lane while it was occurring. And Lane happened a little bit after Hector. It's just like one hurricane coming and then the next just like um, following it in. And that's that's crazy. And the thing is, Hurricane Lane was strong. Hurricane Lane, if if I remember correctly, I, I may be incorrect, but if I do remember correctly, I believe that when it hit Hawaii, it was actually a Category 5. I think yeah. it was a Category 5 when it hit Hawaii. Or I'm not, 4. Yeah, it was a 5 or a 4. Which is um, bad. Yeah, it's still really strong. It's a strong one. I know even Hurricane Sandy, which hit New Jersey around 2012, that was New only York Category two. 2 when that hit us. 
two or three, something like that. But, that, but we're such a small stage, so that would be very powerful. If it was even stronger, it would have probably devastated the vast majority of New Jersey. And see, that's that's the scary part, because I know I've mentioned this a while ago in some previous episodes, but Hurricane Sandy devastated almost every single house on my street because I used to live in Tom's River, and I was about maybe three blocks away from the bay. And the bay, of course, flooded. Of course, the bay flooded. Hurricane and full moon, of course, that's going to flood. Not to mention yeah. that there's another inlet from... Uh, Probably only about a quarter of a mile away from the bay also. So there was water coming in from two ways. And the water was actually inches away from, like, going into my house. Like, it was up to my doorsteps. And, like, it's so terrifying because, to me, that alone, that, even when I was that young, I realized that climate change already had a role in what is causing these hurricanes to be so powerful. Yeah. Because I know there are exceptions. I know Hurricane Katrina was a very powerful hurricane. Um I'll be honest. I don't know the exact timeline as when that happened. I really should. Do you know when that happened, Julissa? Hurricane Katrina? Katrina happened back in was August. Like 2008 or something? 2005. 2005. Yeah. Okay. I really... So, yeah. I really didn't know. Yeah. So, we all know about Katrina. Uh, that was very powerful. That devastated. And I'm not saying that didn't have to do with climate change. It could. It could um, have. Because it but, was very real then. Yeah. 2000s. Yeah. Because even back then, uh, like not long ago from then... Uh, CFCs are still used in cans and all that, and CFCs are terrible for the atmosphere. And who knows? They yeah. all say it affects the ozone, but it could also have effects on weather patterns and, and other things too. Some things that maybe are minor, but even minor things eventually accumulate to cause big problems. It's not just El Nino. Um, El right. Nino's natural, but it's mm-hmm. the climate change that's really impacting these um, type of natural disasters. And certain areas are more prone to hurricanes, like the Atlantic, but the Pacific, like Lane, right. that's not prone to it as much. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you actually brought up El Nino. I actually totally forgot that this year is an El Nino year because it is important to recognize that um, El Nino is it is a natural event that um, it does affect how weather patterns are change. It it changes how weather patterns are in certain areas. So that may have a little bit to do with why we're getting hurricanes so early already, but there have been past El Nino years where we haven't had nearly this many hurricanes, and not to mention that these hurricanes have been so strong, so yeah. strong. Like I said, Hurricane Lane, Category 5, that's insane, and that was early in the hurricane season. And Hector, do you know how strong Hector was? Because I haven't heard anything about it. Hector was about a Category 4 that's still very strong. And Cat- it was very strong, yeah. and it uh, devastated some of Hawaii, I think. Like, Category 1s, like, typically aren't that devastating. Not to say it's not a big deal, but, like, Category 1s typically aren't that devastating. But, like, Category 4s and Category 5s, like, they can absolutely devastate even some of the most developed countries. Like, it doesn't matter. It's going to devastate those areas. And there's even another There's even another hurricane that is... Um, actually could potentially be hitting the east coast it could potentially be hitting new jersey uh hurricane florence right now it's category four it's in the atlantic about two thousand miles away um a lot of news outlets actually are kind of talking about this which i'm surprised about it wow. you know it must be because it's the east coast it's the east coast yes it must be because you know uh, Lane was West Coast, so I didn't hear anything about it. But I'm just shocked that like even major media outlets like CNN, which is nationwide, spoke like nothing about it. I was surprised about that too. You didn't hear about Lane. You just heard about Hector, um, um, somewhat. 
but then you didn't hear about Lane, but Florence is being covered. Yeah. And um, the Florence, I didn't like. I hope I hope it doesn't hit the East Coast because um, we can't afford to have that hit our um state because of what happened six years ago with Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, I know. Um, at least right now they're saying it's Category Four, but they are projecting that it's going to die out within the next few days. It's probably yeah. going to go down Category Two, then Category One, then tropical storm. So if anything, we might get a little bit of a tropical storm out here. Just a lot of rain. That's pretty much all it is. It's a little bit windy, but it won't really cause any damage. But yeah. that's the thing. I love it how these news outlets are covering a storm that honestly probably isn't even a real threat to New Jersey. Let's be real here. It, yeah. There's like there's like a hundred different projections. Only like two actually have it like hitting New Jersey. Like only two do. And like they're making such a big deal about it. Yet nobody talked about the big ones that actually happened. Nobody talked about Hector. Nobody talked about Lane. And it kind of has me worried because, like, people need to know about, like, what's really going on in these other countries, too. People need to understand that because if people hear about that, people might be able to connect the dots a little bit. They might be able to understand, huh, it wasn't like this 10 years ago, you know? They might be able to understand that weather's changing a lot, a lot over time. It and is. I've even noticed that during the summer, like, this summer, the weather pattern was so strange because there'd be one week where it was sunny and hot like 95 degrees hot and then there'd be the next week where it would be 70 super humid though but rainy the whole week yeah that's how it was and it would flip-flop back and forth back and forth it would always be like one week good one week bad it didn't make any sense to me and i know that's Mm -mm. not even a huge difference but that is vastly different than what i remember when i was a kid when i was a kid i remember there'd be one day there'd be a huge thunderstorm the next day it'd be sunny out i didn't see any of that this summer even um back three years ago when i was a freshman in college i remember december 3rd it was about 70 something degrees 75 degrees and that's very unlike december and everybody had their shorts on that day and that time you should be wearing like a winter coat and some gloves and a scarf and a hat yeah I even remember it was either three or four years ago. I'm not too sure. But um, I was going out to dinner with my grandpa, and it was Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day. And I walked out of my car with my mom, and I saw thunderstorms. There were thunderstorms on Christmas. And in case wow. any of you don't know, thunderstorms are not typical of winter weather at all. Thunderstorms, like, almost never happen in the winter. I even know... Um, it might have been even early in this year or late last year. Um, there was actually thunder snow. There was thunder snow, which thunder snow. Wow! I've that's the first time I've ever heard of thunder snow before. I didn't even know thunder snow was a thing until last year. I mean, I knew it was a thing, kind of, but I thought it happened very rarely. And who knows? Maybe we'll be seeing more and more thunder snow now. But I think that it's just it's so strange that and you know what no it's not strange i think it's worrying that we're seeing so much change in the weather patterns and there's almost no news coverage on it there's almost no no news coverage on it nobody is speaking out saying you know this weather pattern is strange maybe it has something to do with something you know it's just i feel like everyone's being kept quiet and I really, I don't understand it because I think people need to understand. People need to know what's really going on. Even if it's not around here, even if it's 3,000 miles away, people need to understand it. And there's other things going on in like Japan and stuff too. I know um, there's, I know there was a cyclone around Japan that happened. 
Um, I mean, I kind of understand us not hearing too much about it out here in the U.S. because Japan is a far away away from us. But even still, there was nothing on that. And I don't really understand why nothing is being talked about because we as people have the right to know. And we're the ones that ultimately make up our minds to help the atmosphere and and help people too yeah unfortunately we are at a time on this segment of sustainable you we'll be right back on 1077 the bronc and 1077 thebronccom whoever said it's not easy being green now let's get back to learning how and reduce reuse and recycle with sustainable you One zero seven seven the Bronx and one zero seven seven the Bronx.com live from Clarence Public House Studios. <laughs> this is Sustainable You. We are back. I am one of your hosts, Dean Riddle, and I am joined by Jaleesa Malvern. So, continuing on with the topic of climate change, because you know climate change is actually a very big deal. Um, so it turns out that this summer there were so many more insects that were eating crops as compared to previous summers, any previous summer. There were way more insects, pests mainly, that, uh, that ate crops. And the reason why that's such a big deal is because if this continues, if this rate continues, then we might have up to 25% less food that we can actually harvest in the United States. And that's going to go up and up and up. So I know that everyone likes to say that the U.S. has a huge surplus in food, which... Currently, that is true. The U.S. does currently have a big surplus in food. But if this continues, if this trend continues, we, we're not going to have a surplus anymore. I mean, yeah. we might even be in a deficit of food. And it's kind of it's weird. It's kind of weird thinking about that, that the U.S. come 40 or 50 years might not have enough food. Now, granted, some of that does have to do with an increasing population and the decreasing uh, the decreasing harvesting of food. So the increasing population only compounds it and makes it that much worse. But it's definitely something to be worried about because I find it hard for us to... We're not really going to be able to do a complete 180. We're not going to be able to uh, immediately remove like the, the CO2 in the atmosphere. We're not going to be able to immediately make it so much cooler. That takes hundreds of years for the atmosphere to actually be able to cool down. So... This, unfortunately, already already is going to be an issue that we probably face for a while, probably at least 100 years, definitely, I mean, past my lifetime, even if we were to make an instant change right now to really to stop all fossil fuels, stop all coal burning, which, let's be real, it's just not going to happen. We're just not at this point right now where we're going to be able to turn everything electric, uh, I should say clean electric, we're not going to be able to do that. Um as much as we are moving in a good direction, you know, to build solar, hydro plants, wind farms, we're doing good strides in that. And one of the most exciting for me is biofuel. And biofuel is a heavily growing industry. And I'm so excited for that because I love biofuel. I think it's one of the best reusable and renewable fuel sources. With that being said, though, it's just it's at a point where it's still very new and it's really developing. And I understand these things are going to take time. You know, I, I totally understand that all these new uh, ways of coming out with energy, it takes a lot of time to really implement it into an economy that's already so reliant on fossil fuels. Um, but the thing is, if, if people don't take notice of what's really going on, like I said earlier with the storms, 
there's no way there's no way that nobody is taking notice of the storms there's just no way the storms have been so much worse lately the weather has been so strange lately it has been i really there's no way that there can be a single person out there that hasn't noticed a change in weather i mean i know there is i know there is but it's just to me it's i don't know it's to me it's odd to me it's crazy that some people haven't but yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe when I was when I was a kid, um, you know, that weather was normal to me. But maybe even ten years before that, uh, mm-hmm. the weather might have been totally different from that. So, I get it. Areas do go through natural changes in weather patterns, but the way that this area, at least, has been going through weather changes is just so odd. And um, like I said before, we we've talked about global warming. In previous episode, like I said, that we're kind of the orchestrators of our own demise. Like, I like it, that. It's it, true. It, it's it's um the same, um um same same concept really. With when you have global warming, um when anything's out of line with the um climate or like um any um ecosystem, it really wreaks havoc on um the the um the the the, the systems of um of of our um of our life um. And um, our lifestyle um, is going to be changing because of these insects. If they um, keep eating a surplus of our crops, we won't have a lot of crops to eat. And the problem with that is that even if the U.S. does everything it possibly can, even if the U.S. instantly switch to clean energy, no mm-hmm. fossil fuels, instantly, even if we did that instantly, yeah. if all other countries don't follow, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't matter because it does make a difference, but... It won't mm-hmm. change everything in the world. It won't, it won't change, change everything change in the world. Everything. It'll help us at first, but eventually, say, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. If China, if China continues on with, um, with like using coal and all that, because that is one of their main fuels yeah. for a lot of their factories. I know that they actually have recently implemented um, government like acts to, like, use like clean energy by like 2030 or whatever for their factories, which is great. That's amazing. Yeah. I never thought that um, China would actually do that. I thought China was going to stay a coal country forever. I am ecstatic that China is actually doing that. But, you know, that's still 12 years until they fulfill that. And until then, these companies, these factories, they do still have the right to use coal until then. Um, so they're still dumping so much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And they have a really, really high population. They are the most densely populated country in the world. So... You have so many people driving around in cars. They're using fossil fuels also. So I know what I'm saying is long-winded, but what I'm trying to say is even if the United States did something instantly, we would be still reliant on other countries to follow suit also because everything stays in the atmosphere. And although that would instantly, it would stay in their atmosphere at first, everything slowly shifts. Mm -hmm. Everything slowly shifts in the atmosphere. And we would still, we would still feel the effects of it too, eventually. Yeah. Um, and the more urbanized you get, like the more urbanized um, you get, um, a, a lot of um, more fossil fuels are produced. Like the more um, houses are built, the more um, that towns becomes like um, more um, urban. That creates um, a, a, a path for um, fossil fuel emission. Right. And, um, when you have more population, that's a concern also because more people, more use of um, um, energy, more um, use of um, more consumption of fossil fuels for 
all types of um, things like such as like cars, even um, just like I think even our houses too. We rely on gases. Yeah. Um, we rely um, just so heavily on fossil fuels and it's hard to break that habit when um, we're so codependent on everything. No, I agree. It is It is hard to break that habit. It's going to take a lot of time for um, even a fully developed country like the U.S. or a lot of the European countries like France to, to fully transition from uh, from a fossil fuel-based economy to a clean energy-based economy because the thing is, it's a, it's a totally different economy. Um because there are industries that make solar panels and they're growing. They're a growing industry. But with that comes the declining industry of the fossil fuel industry. So with with the environmental aspect of everything, you need to codependently look at the economic aspect of it. You there's no way that you can look at environmental issues, especially political issues, things that have to do with money, without looking at the economic issues. And that that's one of the things that I stress to so many people because I am very understanding that you can't just go through instant changes. I understand that it takes so long for certain things to happen, and it is unfortunate. It is unfortunate that sometimes it takes 10 years for one big change to happen. But, I mean, it's better It's better than nothing. It is better than nothing. Um, having that one big change could eventually help everyone. It could help everyone out. But yeah. what I find particularly scary about this is that even if even if the U.S. is getting so many more bugs that are consuming crops, other countries probably are too because other countries are also getting more mm-hmm. heated, mm-hmm. and they're also probably dealing with more pests that are eating their crops. So even if the U.S. is going through, uh, say, a, a crop deficit, other countries are, are too. So it's like, where are we going to get all this extra food from? And what right now, we don't really have to worry about it right now i kind of feel like i feel like we we have enough food right now to last us for a while because yeah the u.s does still have a big food surplus but what i'm saying is if we don't do anything about it soon we eventually will reach a food deficit like i said the trickle down theory yeah yeah with the increasing population and the decreasing food harvest it it's a dangerous combination it is a dangerous combination and um if you don't do it um, do anything about it now like Dean said it's just gonna make everything worse like I mean like I said we're the orchestrators of our own demise yeah in, in terms of this I mean you wouldn't think that um this would in, this would increase the um the metabolic rate of insects in, insects and make them proliferate um so um fast to the point that they would eat up our crops and it's kind of like feeding the monster well here's the thing here's the thing bugs can only get so hot just like humans so yeah if it continues to get hotter and hotter and hotter eventually they're the just bugs gonna fry they're just gonna die but then so will we that that's so funny like how the, the, the <laughs> like like flies they'll just fry up and everything i joke i joke burn. this obviously isn't a real solution i'm just yeah i joke we need we of course we need to make action <laughs> we need to make action we need to Again, like I say, we need to we need to make action against climate change. We need to severely reduce our use of fossil fuels. We need to recycle more because if you think about it, recycling is saving these big factories from using fuel to produce more plastic bottles, glass bottles, whatever. So, recycling it, it helps it helps everything. Anything you can do to be environmentally friendly is making such a huge impact. And 
I actually found out that recycling makes up 1% of carbon footprint, but that 1% is still a huge, huge amount. Mm-hmm. Huge amount. I cannot emphasize how much 1% really is. I know 1% does not sound like much, but recycling is still very important. Recycling can save so much materials from the world, so much energy. It can do so much. So please continue to recycle. And one thing that annoys me is <laughs> where I worked over the summer, there were no recycling bins. And it was the most heartbreaking thing ever. Because I would just see everyone putting their plastics in the trash can. And, like, they not, still do it. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to go in there to get their plastic bottles out. I mean, like, if I see one plastic bottle, like, out in the patio or whatever, like, I'll take it home with me and put it in the recycling. But, oh, it's just heartbreaking. But, yeah, we got to do something about this because we want to have food. We still want food. We need food to survive. And yeah. if we don't do anything about this, we're not going to have food anymore. So very important thing. It's a little worrying. But with that being said, we are unfortunately at a time on this segment of Sustainable U. We'll be right back on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 Who Whoever said it's not easy being green. Uh-oh. Now let's get back to learning how and reduce, reuse, and recycle with Sustainable U. Yeah! 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com live at Kalani's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your hosts, Jaleesa Malvern, and I'm joined by Dean Riddle. So in this third top um, segment, we'll be talking about um, Inveridas, um, their group, um, and they're um, thinking about um, innovating a new technology um, that helps um, small growers tap into market for markets for sustainable coffee. And basically, they want to make um, coffee um, growth practices more sustainable, which is a really good thing, because they say that a lot of um, bigger corporations um, are kind of like not as sustainable, I think. But um, that that's a really good thing, because our coffee consumption in America is very um, large. <laughs> And um, basically, we could um, implement the joke kind of like America runs on Dunkin', and that's true. We all run on Dunkin' Donuts. I just think it's so funny how you say um, America's coffee consumption is so high. You say that with a coffee cup right in front of me because, you know, I just I drank a coffee right before we broadcasted this. I run on coffee, okay? I will me admit too. it. I need a cup of coffee every day to function like i physically cannot function without coffee like i literally need it and and that's one of the things that (laughs) that is why (laughs) that is why uh sustainable and eco-friendly practices are so important for for coffee because so many people in america and around the world drink coffee it's just it's a part of so many people's daily routines including mine including jalissa's including so many other people so many other people need it um like I, I literally need it. Like, I've gone days without it, and it, I feel terrible. I feel terrible without coffee. It's it's actually a problem. But um, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that in specifics. No. <laughs> but... but- I would I would really love to see um, like bigger companies like uh, like Starbucks like picking like using their practices of, of growing coffee beans and all that because like I said it's a big thing so many people drink coffee and um, 
if if these big companies could make the difference in using more sustainable practices and labor practices too, then that would make a huge difference. Um, like even at Terhune Orchards, which is really close to us at Ryder, it's only about 10 minutes down the road. Uh, Pam Mount, she's the person that, that runs Terhune Orchards. They use really super sustainable uh, watering technology. They use drip technology, which is where there's sensors in the ground and they can figure out like if the soil is wet or if it's dry and if it needs more water or not. And if it does need more water, it just puts in a few drops of water so the plants have just enough. And it's all in ground, so nothing is evaporated like upon like release. Because the problem with watering it, especially in the hot weather, is that the water, some of the water, about half of it, instantly evaporates when it's super hot. So that's half the water that doesn't even make it to the plants. It just goes straight into the air. And if you think about it, that can really contribute to the humidity. That can really contribute to the humidity in an area. So if we can get a lot of these bigger companies, I know that they say uh, in Veritas, they're, they're trying to reach this goal by 2030, which is pretty admirable. I mean, that's a little bit of time from now, but... Um, if we could see other companies by 2035 or 2040 do something like that, I mean, really, it'd make, it'd make a huge difference. I, again, I cannot emphasize how much people drink coffee. Like I said, it's, it's part of my daily routine. It's part of a lot of people's daily routines, especially college students, especially fellow students here at Ryder. Couldn't tell you how many people I see drinking coffee every day. But, yeah, the whole... Um, the whole thing with coffee, it's it's a really big deal. And I would I'd really love to see what other companies can can help do. Maybe maybe there's other things that um yeah, other companies can do to take after Inveritas. Maybe it's not even exactly what Inveritas is trying to do. Maybe they're just trying to do something else, something a little more simple. But I mean anything really, right? Mm -hmm. But they said that some corporations like Starbucks have implemented that 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 um sustainable um, practice and, and they uh, said a lot of small profit businesses haven't they said because of the funds because being sustainable does cost more money in some instances i feel it does and that that's part of the problem really because i understand it costs a lot of money to install these systems like the like i'm saying the drip irrigation systems that dri- yeah. orchards uses which I can't imagine how expensive that, that was to implement because they have to put all these pipes in the ground. They have to put, you know, everything together. It must have costed hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not even like a million. I'm not even sure. I, I'm making these numbers up. I don't know exactly. But that being said, I, you know, I'm sure it costs a good amount of money. And I understand for these smaller, uh, these smaller companies, it is very expensive to be sustainable. Um, just like it's very expensive to eat organic food all the time. Because yeah, it is. Organic food always costs more. Um, with some foods, it's less uh, seen than other foods. Like I know that at some stores they sell uh, organic bananas. They're only ten cents extra per pound. That's very doable. Ten yeah. cents extra per pound. That's doable. I, I could pay that. I'd pay that for uh, for organic bananas. But same here. There's some other things that are an extra two or three dollars per pound just like to be organic, organic. chicken. Yeah. Or organic fish or organic milk that's higher than Mm -hmm. just standard milk and that's the thing for a standard consumer standard working class consumer 
it's just not a viable option for everything you eat to be organic. As much as it is beneficial to both yourself and the environment, it's too expensive. I mean, you can take small steps in being organic. Like I said, bananas, that's not hard. Most people can do that. But like it's, there's so many other things that cost so much more. And that's part of the issue with trying to be sustainable too. It costs more to be sustainable. So what some companies will do is they'll mark up their products to help compensate, to help offset how much it costs them to be sustainable in the first time. That may have to do with why Starbucks is so expensive. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it has something to do with it. I know Starbucks has always been expensive though. I'm um, even maybe before they've been uh, like sustainable or whatever. They've always been expensive. Um, but yeah, that's a really good point. You bring up about you know being sustainable it it is more expensive um and i can only hope that throughout the years that these sustainable eco-friendly practices become cheaper and i really do think they will become cheaper too because if you look at even solar panels with energy and all that those have gotten oh significantly cheaper over the years they're yeah, now they a fraction of the cost what they were 10 or 15 years ago it's actually doable now if you want to put a solar panel on your house it is very doable to get one it's still expensive but yeah back then you had to be rich to get solar panels you had to be honestly like you had to be up there you had to have a good amount of money to get those now it's actually viable for a working class citizen to to get a solar panel and that's great it is good and um, speak, going back to what Dean said about how expensive um, some of um, sustainability is, um, even though it's expensive, it, it pays off. That's like, true. Um, in, in terms especially of the coffee, I feel that since we have a high demand for coffee, we definitely should take an approach um, to be, become more sustainable with our coffee use because, I mean, we wouldn't want... Um, our own need of coffee to impact um others um like our environment which is um not a good idea because it's detrimental to the environment yeah i mean even if you look at it from an economic standpoint um being sustainable it costs more at first but think about it you're using less water over time you're not having to pay for pesticides if you decide to go organic Granted, the issue with that is pests. If you live in an area with a lot of pests, it's very difficult to do. But if you are able to manage that, if you're able to do it so that you can use a lot less water to water your plants, you can you don't have to use pesticides to uh, to make your you know make your plants not be eaten by uh, pests. You're saving so much money right there. And although at first it's really expensive. Think of it as an investment. You're investing money at first to save money in the long run. And that's the whole thing with any uh, sustainable energy thing, too. Um, with solar, it's a lot up front. But they say in about 10 years, you can pay that off. And eventually, power companies pay you for energy because you make surplus energy that they want and they buy it off of you. So... That's a pretty cool thing, and I've I I don't have a solar panel on my house, but I've always wanted one because it'd be so cool going home, looking through your mail. Oh, I just got paid, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever for energy. Like you never think that getting paid for energy. I think that's one of the coolest things ever. But yeah, it would make it make long term effects. Although short term, it'd be expensive for these companies. The long term effects would vastly outweigh the short term and that's the thing that some of these companies maybe need to realize they need they need to make the stride just the 
initiative to make these changes and it make huge changes. Unfortunately, however, we are at a time on this segment of Sustainable U. We'll be right back after a few short underwriting announcements on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Whoever said it's not easy being green? Now let's get back to learning how and reduce, reuse, and recycle with Sustainable U. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com, live at Kalarni's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable U. I'm one of your hosts, Jaleesa Malvern, and I'm joined by Dean Riddle. So in this fourth and, fourth and final segment, we'll be talking about um, mole vegan leather. And basically, that's a sustainable type of fashion made from coconut water waste. And I think this is um, a really good thing um, that's being implemented in the fashion industry because I know um, a lot of um, leather, um, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, it comes from... Um, from animals it can come it mostly comes from either um cows yeah like or cow pigs. hides yeah. cows or pigs are the two main ones and that's not sustainable to just keep keep killing cows and pigs when you could have it just made from um coconut water waste which is um a good thing yeah that's super cool it's cool and um basically they said that malay vegan leather um is an organic alternative leather made from coconut water waste and it's highly suitable for innovative um leather looking bags and fashion accessories so why when you could um buy leather like i said um from um from coconut water waste that looks like the exact thing same thing why would you buy that when you could buy it from cow hides, when you um, don't have to buy it from cow hides, I mean, I'm sorry. And the thing that's really cool about this is there's a few pictures on this website that we're looking at, and it looks really nice. Like, honestly, it looks really fashionable. Like, I honestly think it looks better than some even real leather bags that people carry around. And what's cool about it is that this company... Um, or I'm not sure if this company, but what some companies do is they can still dye it. It's still a dyeable thing. So you can still get whatever color you want with whatever yeah, you item could. you want. Um, so it's not like it's like limited or whatever. Um, it still looks super nice. It actually kind of looks like real leather still. It looks like real leather. It's, it's very nice leather. Mm-hmm. It looks like the real thing. And yep. it um, looks very, um, very shiny, very durable. And... Um, I feel that it's just a, a good alternative um, than um, killing um, animals. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, if you look at it from this perspective, they probably get the leather from um, from animals that they probably already killed anyway for, for meat or whatever. Um, so it's not like they're just killing animals just for the leather. At least they're doing it all at once. But, yeah, I do agree. If there was... If there were more of these coconut bags or whatever that people would purchase and say a few more people went, you know, vegan or even vegetarian, then there would be less of a need for animals being killed. And overall, that would help even with the whole carbon footprint thing. So this is very indirectly still helping with climate change. And it's really cool because you can link almost everything with climate change in the environment. Anything you do that helps the environment in one way or another all links to climate change. And that's one of the coolest things about this. That is very cool. Um, when you think about it, a lot of things are um, a factor in climate change. Like Dean said, um, you could when, when you think 
probably even your cell phone even that's yeah. that's linked to it well yeah because but, the whole thing because i mean there's um in every cell phone there's mercury because in the ooh. yeah in the in the main chips and the and the motherboards or whatever in the in phones there's a little bit of mercury in them and plus they said that um carrying your um phone in your pocket is um, um bad because that causes cancer yeah i i mean i believe it um am i gonna actually put it in my book bag no no it's just not convenient i i mean that's one of those things but i i feel that over time um they'll work on that i feel like over time they'll work on making it like not as bad for you i mean i know that having those you know waves or whatever right by you know by your leg or whatever it's not good for you but uh, I, I just don't think enough people are really going to do anything about it, to be quite honest with you. Everyone has their their, their phones in their pockets or whatever because it's convenient. And that's a whole thing with uh, with just a modern world. People want convenience now. And that's the yeah, really cool we thing. Yeah, we want convenience, unfortunately. The cool thing about these bags is that they are convenient. They are still convenient because they look very much like the real thing. They look very much like real leather. And because they're plant-based, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they were cheaper because they're made from waste. They're made from waste. It The stuff is waste product anyway. So the main thing, like the coconut was already used for coconut water, which is shipped out as a product for people to consume. This is all waste. So it really doesn't cost much to make these and it wouldn't surprise me if this was cheaper than a real leather bag anyway i mean i don't know like julissa how much are nice leather bags from like a coach or from a store like coach or whatever they're like 120 bucks or more right at least that or even higher than that maybe even um three hundred dollars two hundred dollars plus yeah i mean if we could see if we could see other big companies like coach or michael kors or whatever putting out these coconut these these vegan leather uh bags that would be amazing because they i can't emphasize like how nice they actually look they look really nice they look very nice and even with that, you can maybe even call up to their corporation and request them through a letter. Could you please um, make uh, vegan leather bags? Um, would you consider it? And you know what? It'd probably save them money too in the long run because it would. it's probably cheap to produce. It's probably cheap it's to produce. And they, they, I mean, look, it would still be kind of expensive because it's from Coach or whatever. So it would still be like probably at least a hundred bucks. But that's cheaper than like most of the other bags they sell. I mean, I know they sell little pocketbooks are probably like sixty bucks or whatever. But um, those are small. You can't do like a whole lot with that. But. They would still make a lot of profit off of it. Not to mention, they would get a lot of support from environmental groups also. They'd be praised by environmental groups because they're making a big stride. And it wouldn't be just the environmental groups. They'd be the animal-friendly groups too. So if these big companies would make that stride, they'd be loved by like everyone. Like It's like it's a win-win for everyone really and vegans, for these companies to do it. Yeah. And vegans too because it's vegan-friendly too. Mm-hmm. And um, like you wouldn't think that from... Um, from just coconut water waste you could produce a leather bag and and that's that's amazing yeah you really wouldn't think that i i never would even think that like from coconut water waste like they would actually take like all the pulp and the skin of the of the coconut because that's what it is it's all the pulp and the skin of the coconut they find a way to kind of to break that down and turn it into a material much like leather and they did it pretty flawlessly um 
I just never thought that it would be coconut. I never thought it'd be coconut of all things. But I guess it makes sense because they kind of do have a little bit of a fibery exterior, coconuts. Like, I don't know if you ever felt a coconut before. Like, have you ever held a coconut in your hand before? I've, I think I've held it um, before once, and they're pretty big. They they're, are big, they're, they're yeah. They like, have a thick skin. Mm-hmm. But like it feels like real fibery almost like it it I I don't really know how to explain it it's hard to explain like it almost like feels like it like catches in your hands like your hands are just really able to hold it I, I'm not explaining it the best I, I I understand that I don't really know how to explain it better but I think that might be why they're using coconuts because of that hard exterior they have it's capable of being softened and weaved into something much like this. And have you ever seen like on a cartoon like Spongebob like when a coconut hit their head they were like knocked out yeah like yeah. is that actually true um I mean coconuts are pretty hard they're, they're pretty hard like, and they're, they're, they're kind of heavy too for for like their <laughs> size they're pretty dense they're very dense and like um I don't know how you could crack one open would you have to bang it or you could bang it against a rock. You could take a machete and uh, pry it open. Most people just use a machete now, but like if you were in a survival situation, you could bang it against a rock and that would open it. Yeah, and it has co- like a lot of people consume coconut water, like just yeah. um like coconut water. We think that coconut water is just for use for cooking or for like just like a drink to put in your drink or like something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's it's actually used to make leather. And that's the greatest part about this. Nothing is being wasted in the process, like at all. Nothing's being wasted because all that material is used for either the drinking water, which is the original purpose, or now it can be used for making bags and other materials. Like I said, it's a win-win. There's nothing bad about this at all. It's it's amazing. And I'd like to see other companies do things with, with other uh, plants too. It'd be really cool if they could do something like that. But... Unfortunately, we are at a time on this episode of Sustainable You, but we'll be back next week at the same time on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. You just heard the best tips on how to be sustainable, so go ahead and spread the gospel of green. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Sustainable You, Saturdays at 9 a.m. on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. If you want to listen to any replay editions, go to 1077thebronc.com and click on the Sustainable You tab on the homepage. You can even subscribe to our podcast. Just simply search Sustainable You on iTunes. Sustainable You is underwritten in part by Terhune Orchards, 330 Cold Soil Road, Lawrence, 208 of locally grown Jersey fresh fruits and vegetables with country style service. Rider University, Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green, Team Toyota of Princeton, Route 1 South Lawrence. Are you part of the team? Lawn Crafters, give your lawn a little TLC. And the Trenton Farmer's Market, 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence, the area's original and most trusted farmer's market, open all year round. Join us again for next week's edition of Sustainable You on Saturday at 9 a.m. and be one step closer to saving the earth without a carbon footprint left behind. Only on 1077 The Bronx.